Being a chef means keeping your cool in the kitchen. And with Resi Priority Notify and Global Dining Access through my Amex Platinum card, right this way, it's nice to try someone else's food for a change. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. The 2024 presidential campaign features two candidates who are very well known to Americans. And yet, there's complexity at every turn. Criminal trials for one of those candidates. Young voters who are angry. The Campaign Moment podcast from The Washington Post gives you what matters. I'm Aaron Blake, and I'm covering my 10th election cycle. My colleagues and I have insights that you won't find anywhere else. So follow the Campaign Moment right now, wherever you're listening. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste, or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products, because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger, fresh for everyone. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union. A savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Hello and welcome to the MMQB Monday Morning NFL Podcast. I'm your host, Gary Gramling. I'll be joined by a special guest in just a moment here. But uh, we're going to do a, a couple shows here this this Monday, what you're listening to right now, quite obviously. And then next Monday, we'll do the second half. Uh, we're going to look at the 13 players who had their fifth year options decline. Those are the 2017 first rounders who uh, the teams that currently have them just sort of decided they were not going to invest in them for uh, that one more season. So uh, we're going to split it up. NFC, AFC. We're going to start with the NFC this week. And with that, I welcome our special guest. Andy Benoit joins us to break down the present and the future for uh, some of these guys who are, uh, I mean, look, not all these guys you'd look at and say, well, this guy's a boss. A lot of these guys, jury's still out on him. And I was excited when you suggested this for the topic of the show, because I think there are a lot of directions you can go with these kind of conversations about some of these guys. Yeah, we're uh, so the way we're going to do this, we are going to basically go down the draft order here. Uh, and again, NFC this week, we got six of them this week. And then we got uh, next week, we'll have the AFC guys like Leonard Fournette, Malik Hooker, uh, some interesting guys there. But uh, uh, I mean, you know, 
you look at this list and, uh, you know, you got a, a guy like Charles Harris who has already been traded for a, a late round draft pick from Miami to Atlanta. And, and you kind of understand on that. Uh, some of these guys, you know, Jared Davis is really interesting. Uh, Ruben Foster still an interesting player. We didn't expect they'd pick up the option because of the uh, injury issues he's had. But uh, we are uh, we're going to start at the top here and we're going to start with Mitchell Trubisky. Now, Trubisky, obviously the second overall pick of the 2017 draft. Uh, the guys in the top 10. Their fifth-year option is for the basically the transition tag value. Uh, if you're outside the top ten, it's the average of three through twenty-five at your position. The 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 third highest-paid guy and the twenty-fifth highest-paid guy. The average of of three through twenty-five. That's what you get paid. Uh, so Trubisky's number. Uh, for fifth year 2021, he would have made about 24.8 million. Uh, very understandable that the Bears don't want to invest that right now. And on top of that, if, if let's say Trubisky has a breakout season in 2020, they want to keep him. Uh, if they franchise tag him after the season, the number's not that much bigger uh, for Trubisky. So, but they uh, they declined the 24.8. We know Nick Foles is in there, and uh, quite frankly, uh, you know, we, we've discussed this, Andy. Foles is probably the favorite might be a slight favorite but but I'd say Foles is probably the favorite to be the quarterback in Chicago this year that said let's just look at it as if Trubisky was going to be under center for them this season uh one thing you've seen the Bears do this offseason is I mean you know everyone kind of laughed at it I mean they loaded up on tight ends they have a lot of tight ends and it's not the type of thing where they brought in one guy to an already rich position group they went out. They their first round draft pick was spent on Cole Komet. They uh, their biggest free agent signing was Jimmy Graham. Uh, they also signed Demetrius Harris, who has a history with Matt Nagy there. So uh, those are three tight ends right there. That's that's the math there. Three tight ends. This is not an offense that puts three tight ends on the field very often. Uh, you would think maybe that's something they do going forward. Do you think that's do you think that's helpful? for a guy like Trubisky to, to sort of have all those tight ends on the field, kind of like what you saw with, uh, you know, Trubisky's not the same quarterback stylistically, but, it, you know, it, you saw it with Baltimore. I mean, they, they had three tight ends on the field a lot. Yeah, they did, and they had an expansive running game centered around it, and their quarterback's a run threat. That's really not the Bears' offense. Trubisky has functional mobility, but you're not designing a, a slew of run plays for him. Um, and the other thing is... The Ravens are uniquely, and they're not now because they've traded Hayden Hurst, but last year they were flexible at tight end, and that Mark Andrews is basically a big slot receiver for them, and Hayden Hurst is a viable receiving threat. Now, you could argue that Jimmy Graham and Cole Komet fit that same description there, um, but what we're talking about overall, Gary, I don't know if it's a dynamic enough or a, a, a significant enough package that it would influence how you see your offense. Let's say Matt Nagy says, we want to do a lot more three tight end this year. That's still not part of their foundation. If you ask Matt Nagy, what are you about? You know, those even if they do more three tight end, they're going to be, I mean, the Ravens, and actually Tennessee led the league last year at 11% of their snaps were three tight end. The Ravens had 22 personnel a lot of the time. So, mm -hmm. um, and you could argue if Nick Boyle's a fullback or a tight end. The point is, unless you have an expansive running game, it's really, really. It's in fact, you can't. It's impossible to justify putting three tight ends on the field on any sort of regular basis. I was going to say Mitchell Trubisky, by the way, career one hundred twenty-six point three rating with three tight end tight ends on the field. Andy, 
on on, well, yeah, on, thir- I'm guess- on 13 yeah. passes and a lot of them near the goal line. Yeah, I was going to say, I'm guessing it's a low sample size and rating thing gets skewed because of the value of touchdowns. and Yeah, but listen, the Titans did a nice job with it last season. You just have to have guys that can do everything, though. You have to have guys who can be blockers and receivers. And the Bears are going for that. But my guess, Gary, because really the key guy we're talking about is Demetrius Harris. We know what Komet will be or really what they expect him to be. He's a kind of a classic tight end. We know Jimmy Graham's there is a receiving tight end. And every team plays with two tight ends. And so that's that's part of the idea. What we're really discussing is, will Demetrius Harris have a significant role with the Bears this season? And you can make the argument either way. I thought Harris was a really good player in Kansas City. He did not become much of a factor in Cleveland, but by the way, that was another team that really tried to do three tight end stuff at times. It never quite took full hold. Um, I could also argue that Harris is here because Matt Nagy just wants someone in the room who knows the system and knows the offense, mm. and that's going to make it easier to bring along the new guys, Jimmy Graham and Cole Komet. What uh? So back to Trubisky. Just overall, if he's on the field this year, what do you do to make his life easier at this point? Uh, because we saw uh, early on, uh, you know, in in the 2018 season, Nagy's first season, uh, the offense was really working. Uh, I don't know if it was just a matter of teams sort of catching up to it. You know, it, we discussed it's kind of a lot of bells and whistles before the snap and then kind of simplistic afterward. Uh, and then, I mean, look, you could probably like draw a line of demarcation around like the halfway point of that 2018 season. And it's really just been all downhill since then. And, and by the end of last year, it looked like he was just just wholly uncomfortable with what he was seeing out on the field. He's at this point. He is not a natural anticipatory field reader. I think he does see, see things kind of one at a time, and he's a, he does have to probably see it before he can pull the trigger on a lot of designs. That's a discussion of can that get cleaned up as he has more experience? Because remember, he only had twelve games starting experience coming out of North Carolina, so. You know, you could say, well, in really year four, it's make or break, of course, but I, you could say that can maybe get improved with experience. He probably is what he is, is what a lot of people in the NFL would say. To me, the bigger problem, though, Gary, is let's say even if he is what he is as a field reader, let's say he can get better as a field reader. I don't know if he's consistently accurate enough to run the kind of offense that you would want to run with him given his skill set. You know, we talk all the time about Cam Newton, Josh Allen. They're not innately accurate passers, but they're unique specimens. They're they're big stallion quarterbacks that can really push the ball to certain parts of the field that other guys don't have the arm to attack, and they're, they're weapons in the running game. Trubisky's not either of those things. He's a more traditional all-around type of quarterback, which means – if you can, as Troy Aikman has said very plainly, and it makes perfect sense, if you can't put the ball exactly where you want it, nothing else matters then in the in the NFL for a quarterback. It doesn't matter how good you how good you are at running around. It doesn't matter how well you read the field if you can't put the ball exactly where you want it on a regular basis. I do kind of wonder if the accuracy issues are are just, uh, and I, I think this is every quarterback uh, who has accuracy accuracy issues that it's tied to. Uh, basically a lack of comfortability with, with, with what you're seeing out there. Uh, 
And then he gets uncomfortable and his mechanics break down as there's kind of an undertow of panic to his play. Is that kind of yes. what you're saying? Yeah. yeah. I, I mean, you know, like like anyway, the the metaphor I always give is like uh, if you're playing darts and you're throwing at a full dartboard, that's uh, that's one thing. If you feel like you're throwing at just the, the bullseye, that, uh, that is psychologically another thing for a... Uh, uh, for a fine athlete who is uh, playing darts in a bar. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, as far as it goes, like, I, I just, I wonder if you could do something where he just felt comfortable enough where, I, I mean, maybe it's just like, I mean, maybe maybe it's just a lot of one-read stuff. Maybe the, the second read is he's tucking the ball and running. Uh, we have seen him, and I'm not going to sit here and say he's in the class of of, uh, of Lamar and, and Cam Newton and Josh Allen, but he has done some decent stuff with his legs. Uh, you saw it in 2018. You saw it less last year. That might have had yeah. to do with the, the separated non-throwing shoulder. They, they might have scaled that back a little bit, but um, it seems like it's an option for him. It is, but I don't think it's an option for the coaching staff. The guys that you do the one read and then take off, or let's really simplify the offense, it's for guys who are, A, probably a little bit more purely physically talented, either faster guys as runners or high-end arm talents. And Trubisky has a good arm. Let's not paint it like he's like he's not. But you do it for special players who are young and you have reason to believe will get better. I can't think of a quarterback in his fifth or sixth season even in his fourth, like Trubisky, where that would be an acceptable offense to run, unless you are just immensely talented. I mean, and even then, you know, at some point you have to be able to be a full field reader. Coaches are not going to let their offense stay neutered for several years. They they don't have the job security for that. Yeah. All right. Well, if uh, if we see him on the field this year, uh, certainly a, a, something of a make or break season for Trubisky as far as his Chicago future goes. Uh, and again, you know, we we've discussed it. There have been guys who have been really bad in their first couple seasons who have who have then broken out after that. Drew Brees is a is a guy we brought up as uh, was probably the worst starting quarterback in football's first two seasons, and then really uh, had that breakout year's third year. I mean, that that's that's why they drafted Philip Rivers there to. <laughs> to take over the reins from a very bad Drew Brees. And then all of a sudden, Drew Brees turned great. Uh, probably probably not the <laughs> projection you'd have for Mitchell Trubisky right now, but uh, just just saying there's there's hope. Mm-hmm. Maybe a little bit of hope. Yeah, there's hope. This will be a really interesting quarterback battle this offseason. It feels like a true 50-50 battle, Trubisky versus Foles. Yeah, yeah, and just because of the stuff we, we've talked about, I, I just... I, I really think it's going to be Foles. I, I think the fact that you can run some of your offense with Foles that you can't run with Trubisky, even after Trubisky's been there for, uh, well, he's been in this offense for two seasons. Uh, I think that just tips the scales toward toward Foles. And to be perfectly honest, panic isn't the right word, but there has to be an urgency with the Bears because when you have assembled a defense like they have, yeah. it's tough to keep that together. It's It's tough to... Uh, you know, it, we, we saw it with Denver. I mean, the Broncos went from a defense that could absolutely carry that team for, for a season or two. And now they're, they're still good, but the, you know, they, they can't win you games like they did. And it feels like that's kind of what the bears were in 2018. And, and, uh, you know, the turnovers fell off in 2019 and that's in part why the team fell off. And, uh, yeah. And, and now we're, we're sitting here and, you know, has the window closed on the chance you have to win a championship based on your defense? Yeah, it's not the defense it was a couple of years ago. Now, it still is 
a high, high-end defense, especially yeah. if Jalen Johnson is a rookie, plays well. You know, Kyle Fuller is a tremendous cornerback. Obviously, Khalil Max, Akeem Hicks, when he's healthy, he's a top, probably top five interior defensive lineman, certainly top ten. Roquan Smith, they expect to be better in the next year. So it's a star-studded defense, and Eddie Jackson's a, a star safety. It's a star-studded defense. A couple years ago, it was star-studded and incredibly solid and sound at the regular positions, the non-star positions. I don't know if you can say that now at at some of those non-star positions. Questions about Jalen Johnson as a number two corner. He's unproven. Deion Bush is a safety. D-line depth's not quite what it was before. Um, they need more from the offense. And even then, you know, a few years ago, they needed more from the offense. It's not like they won the NFC championship or anything with that defense. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. The, uh, and, and I, I talk about turnovers a lot. Uh, they led the league in 2018 and they fell to the middle of the pack in 2019. And that, uh, that makes a difference when you're not stealing a possession or two every game. One thing to also keep in mind with this offense, they've added some speed at the wide receiver position. And Ted Ginn is around. He can still run. He's just a pure speedster for the most part. Uh, he's become more than that, but you're signing him for his speed. Mm-hmm. Uh, Darnell Mooney, the fifth-round pick, had a good 40 time. I don't know how the Bears see 40 times. Some teams, I think, probably respect him and other teams, and I would subscribe to this thought. They might see it as totally irrelevant because there's nobody – guarding you you're not thinking about anything you're not actually even wearing football equipment you're not worried about tracking a ball um but you know mooney on paper is a speed guy so a little bit more speed on offense and they have cordero patterson still all right well let's uh let's go on to the next guy here this is uh solomon thomas who of course the the 49ers and bears swapped the second and third picks uh the 49ers moved down to three took solomon thomas uh thomas would have been due about uh, 15.2 million on the fifth year option in 2021 he does not get that obviously he's a guy who uh, he he just hasn't really broken through and uh the question now is when when you look at how this uh how this defense is stacked up uh no no deforest buckner uh Jevon Kinlaw obviously comes in and and sort of you know that there's there's one answer at defensive tackle uh Thomas who sort of came in as a guy who people saw as you know early down end uh you know third down you you kick him inside as, as a pass rusher it it just hasn't really worked out and it's I, I guess it's been especially disappointing because they've had a lot of good guys around him and you figure that sort of creates some opportunities for him and um he's been all right but he just obviously has not been he's not been a high first round pick type of producer and he certainly not you know hasn't produced to the point where you're gonna invest uh uh you know in, in the mid-teens as far as a, an annual contract so just one thing to say up front about him is he consistently stands out on film for his effort. And I think the Niners really like him personally and not in the sense, like, oh, he's a nice guy, which he, I think a lot of people believe he is or know he is. Uh, but he, I think he's a buy-in guy. He is a team guy in the right sense. So it's not like the effort hasn't been there, and it's not, it's not like it's been an utter failure. He just has not lived up to, where was he drafted, number three number overall? Three, yep. The challenge for Thomas that will always be there and has been there so far is he's not a very long-bodied guy. He's And especially when you put him next to DeForest Buckner or Eric Armstead, he mm-hmm. looks downright squatty. But he's not long. He doesn't play long. His arms are not long. So in that case, in, you have to be – that's a hard one to compensate for. I mean, I'm thinking even like in – 
I was going to say you have to be an Aaron Donald type and not, not saying you have to be of that. He might be the most explosive guy ever at his spot, but you have to win with your burst. Even Donald's a long body guy. He's not tall, but he plays long. Thomas just does not play long, and that cannot be coached into a guy, not at this point. That may be a few uh, mechanical adjustments, but that's what he is. And so then the discussion is where does he fit? And he's not a natural defensive end for that reason. And he hasn't been quite effective enough as a three technique. So you're talking about a rotational guy. And I think he does need to be in this kind of scheme, a 4-3, one-gap scheme. I don't know where you would play him in a 3-4 or even just those schemes that have two outside linebackers up on the ball. They're not usually 3-4s, but that's how they, they play out. You know, He would not make sense in Pittsburgh's scheme, for example. Yeah, it's it's tough because you just look you look around and and they're all high first round picks. Nick Bosa, Eric Armstead, DeForest Buckner. Uh, but you just look at what, what they were able to do in the scheme even before last year. You know, even in 2018, these these guys, uh, Bosa obviously was not there yet, but uh, uh, they were they were all good players in this. Uh, in, you know, in in the sort of uh, you know version of of Robert Sala's Seahawks style scheme here, but uh, it just hasn't just hasn't uh, clicked for Thomas. And and I, I don't know. I don't know if there's really any reason to think it will. Well, there was a report not long ago that both sides, the Niners and Thomas, are interested in maintaining and continuing a relationship. They just have to figure out the right price. And as you said, the 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 cost for him, a top 10 salary, a transition tag number, basically, that's, that's a non-starter. Um, so a lot might come down to how Thomas performs this season and one thing you have to wonder about then is at some point a guy who's not going to get franchise tag but can become a good player those are usually the guys you lose in free agency someone else will usually pay more for that I'm not saying Thomas becomes that necessarily but if if he plays really well his agent's probably going to tell him it, it behooves you to hit the open market. So the Niners want to continue the relationship with Thomas unless they, if, if they, if, if they don't do a deal before the end of this upcoming season, before the end of the 2020 season, that's going to be hard for him to stay in San Francisco. I think this is it. We've got an Amex platinum pro on our hands. Ladies and gentlemen, we haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion lounge. <sighs> is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh my, look at that. He is. And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win. Unbelievable. When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. The 2024 presidential campaign features two candidates who are very well known to Americans. And yet there's complexity at every turn. Criminal trials for one of those candidates. Young voters who are angry. The Campaign Moment podcast from The Washington Post gives you what matters. I'm Aaron Blake, and I'm covering my 10th election cycle. My colleagues and I have insights that you won't find anywhere else. So follow the Campaign Moment right now, wherever you're listening. What's up? I'm John Wall. And I'm CJ Toledano, and we're starting a new podcast presented by DraftKings called Point Game. We're now joined by three-time NBA Sixth Man of the Year, elite bucket getter let's please welcome jamal crawford to point game king of the court one-on-one tournament if they had it back in your prime do you think he could have took it all i'm gonna be honest with you i don't think i could have took it all 
But I think I would have shocked a lot of people. I think Kobe and everybody in their prime, Kobe would win a one-on-one contest. Yeah, I, yeah, because you got to think, Love he's going to guard. He don't care about guarding. He's going to guard. He's going to exactly. guard. Like, you see him in the Olympics, he's going to guard. And then on I'm top of that. like that, see that? Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Sam Cassell to Point Game. I remember you came out from crying tears. <laughs> crying tears. I mean, he was in a culture shock. And then I, his, he's going to withdraw us about winning. Remember what I told you? I said, I said, OG, you think I can get paid and go back and play in college because they ain't need it. <laughs> Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union. A savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. Spectrum One is a big deal. You get Spectrum Internet with the most reliable internet speeds, free advanced Wi-Fi for enhanced security and privacy, and a free Spectrum Mobile Unlimited line with nationwide 5G included, all while saving big. For the big speed, big reliability, and big savings you want, get Spectrum One. Just $49.99 a month for 12 months. Visit spectrum.com slash big deal for full details. Offer subject to change. Valid for qualified residential customers only. Service not available in all areas. Restrictions apply. All right, let's uh, let's move down. We are going outside the top 10 now. So these guys uh, were going to be owed a little bit less on their fifth-year options. Uh, first guy is Hassan Redick. Uh, he he would have been due $10 million, uh, assuming he was on the linebacker uh, fifth-year option here. Um, yeah, I mean, it, it, they just, in Arizona, they really haven't figured out what they want Reddick to be, and he was a guy who came to the league uh, at a temple as sort of a boy. Look at all the different things you can do with these. This guy, he can play off the ball. He can, you know, he can rush off the edge, and it seems like he just hasn't really found a home doing either. Yeah, he's. They tried everything, and as a result, he's become nothing. And it's he has not been on the field in run situations recently. They took him off, and they played him in passing situations. He is incredibly explosive. His awareness as a run defender, especially, is is spotty, and you can even probably say spotty at best at times. So okay, let's you know he's playing a different position. He did not. He was a, an on the ball edge type of defender primarily coming out of college. So there's already been an adjustment period. It's been some different schemes that he's been in in Arizona. It has not been perfect conditions for him. So then the discussion becomes, well, what kind of scheme can we put him in and what role can we give him? Because you get the sense it needs to be specifically defined and highly defined for him. One guy that jumps to mind, and they're different types of players, but we're going to use it as an example of, of how you can help a guy become great is Demario Davis in New Orleans has become a top five linebacker in a role where he's basically, a, a, on passing downs, he's basically a blitzer or a, he's often a blitzer, or he's some kind of free defender where it's just go get the ball, Demario. That's the plan. And I think Reddick would really thrive in a situation like that where you just have to ask him to be instinctive rather than process information. Now, the difference is DeMario Davis is a quality run defender as well. He does not struggle identifying run plays like Reddick does. But anymore, Gary, so many teams play dime personnel. 
you would think one of the teams that likes to do it out of what we think is 3-4 personnel, like the Texans, who are kind of a 3-4 defense, or the Patriots, they have all these mid-range body-sized guys, these 250-pound long guys. They're not quite linebackers, they're not quite defensive linemen, but they play on your nickel and your and your and dime situations. The Dolphins had a lot of them last year as well. They, they weren't great players, but the body types. you That might be something you would consider with Reddick. He has to be in an attacking scheme, though, where he's just going and getting the ball. Uh, let's go to another guy. Uh, a little bit similar to this. Jared Davis in Detroit. And uh, Matt Patricia has said since they declined the uh, the option that they they you know they, they still want him there and, and et cetera et cetera. We'll, we'll see how that works out. Uh, he would have been due uh, like Reddick ten million on the on the fifth year option here had they done it. Um, Davis is a guy who came to the league. Uh, look, you look at the physical attributes and you sort of said like, well, here's a three down linebacker. He just never. It just never worked for him in coverage. He just has not, uh, whether you call it development or, or, or whatever it might be, he just, he's been a liability in coverage. So, uh, you know, he's been blitzing more, he's been rushing the passer more, and there's something there. I mean, he's, that that's a strength of his. That's what he's done well. Uh, but can they, I, I don't know, can you get enough out of him to sort of, you know, rely on him as, as more than just a uh, really talented but uneven type of athlete to put in the middle of your defense I think so I think someone can still get a really good player in Jared Davis he's really fit for a 4-3 run and chase type of scheme Mm -hmm. which is what he was drafted into that's what the Lions ran when they acquired him and then they brought in the Matt Patricia regime and that has a totally different demand on linebackers Patricia wants bigger thumping type of guys which is why they drafted Jelani Tavai in the second round last year and Tavai looks like he's going to be a really good player for them in that system. So it's not a scheme fit with Davis. His explosiveness as a blitzer just jumps off the screen and wows you. His when he hits the go button and identifies a run play, he wows you there as well. He's not going to identify him perfectly snap after snap. There's some inconsistency there. He's not he doesn't struggle at the degree that Reddick has struggled, but mm-hmm. there's some inconsistency there. So it's it's about getting him in a user-friendly scheme one that has a very defined gap assignment for him, like a scheme like Dallas's, for example, where the defensive linemen often shoot a specific gap. Not often, they always shoot a specific gap and the linebackers play accordingly and, and they're hardwired in. So in other words, we know before the ball is snapped that that at defensive tackle, let's say it's let's say any picking defensive tackle, he's going to line up in the B gap, but he's going to go attack the A gap. Linebacker, you go take that B gap that he just vacated. That's the way you want to play with Jared Davis, as opposed to, hey Davis, watch how the defensive tackle plays that B gap, and if you sense that he's getting driven into the A gap. Go help the B gap. Otherwise, you've got the A gap. That's a very different style of football. So attack-oriented, one-gap defense, that's where Jared Davis would be at his best. And and then the discussion is, what do you do with him and nickel? Because he was not comfortable very early in his career in passing situations. And he, he was eventually taken off the field in pass situations. I think it was the end of his rookie season. He's improved a lot there, but he's still not innately that kind of player. So he's probably better as a blitzer. 
and we just said he's an explosive blitzer. The challenge is the teams that run those one-gap schemes like Dallas's are not typically the teams that blitz because those one-gap schemes require high-level, big-time defensive linemen. So you have pass rushers built in. Why would you spend the resources on blitzing if you got the four-man rush? So his first, basically, Jared Davis's first and second down attributes don't match his third down attributes, and that's part of the problem you have with him. And that's going to depress his market value because there are going to be a lot of teams that just don't see him as an ideal fit in their system. Yeah, I was going to say it's, it's tough to find a home for him in, in that case. Uh, so, and someone will, though. He, I mean, he is a top 10 explosive talent in terms of just pure physical ability. There are not 10 linebackers in the NFL that outrank him there. So someone will try it. It's just a matter of who and how. Uh, what kind of uh, loosely, what kind of odds would you put on him having a long-term future with Matt Patricia in Detroit? Um, thirty-five to forty percent, yes, and then the rest of it, sixty, sixty-five percent, no. Okay, I'm not overly optimistic. I think what Patricia is saying is is true, and they mean that. And they did not draft a linebacker this year, so they they did sign Jamie Collins. Um, but Collins, you could could see as a defensive end in their scheme. He's not a, a, by any stretch a classic defensive end, but he would line up on the edge. Davis will always line up off the ball if it's a rundown situation. Collins can play on the ball or off the ball in run situations. So they they do have room for him still, but I'm not I'm not overly optimistic. Okay, I'm surprised you gave me an actual percentage. You never do that. Do I not do that? Yeah. It's not your thing. Is it not? I don't know. I feel like I talk like that quite often. Yeah. No, I don't know. It it seems tasty. You just need to ask me more Jared Davis questions. You don't ask me enough Jared Davis questions. (laughs) It it seems a little bit takey, but uh, that's all right. (laughs) Yeah, I'll say this. I would be annoyed if somebody tweeted a headline, Benoit says 35% Jared Davis stays. So maybe 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 you're right. Maybe I, I did go a different direction there. Yeah, I, I will say though uh, that would be a terrible headline. I, I don't know who's really uh, coming. I don't for know that, how but. that works because I did just say that. But if if I saw that in a headline, it would have such a different energy and connotation. It would it would really really piss me off. Yeah. No, I know what you're saying. It, you 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 backed off it enough with the range. It's a nice range. It just means you're on the pessimistic side. Well, here's the the headline would not have taken into account what we said about Davis's first and second down attributes, the scheme fit, how you find that. It would just be the headline. So, yeah. which basically would make it sound like you're saying Jared Davis is a 35% good player. He's just not a good enough player. That's what it would sound like. That's why it would make me mad. All I know I is I am not. I'm not going to do another percentage. I can tell you that because we're. <laughs> it's already making me uneasy right here. <laughs> all I all I know is we are really upset with that. Uh, hypothetical headline writer he's gonna hear from us or she all right let's go to uh let's go to Atlanta they got two of these guys who were uh defensive ends both uh would have been due around 10 million on the fifth year option Charles Harris obviously you know he, he was drafted by the Dolphins he was traded to Atlanta for a late round pick no no one was surprised that his option was not picked up Tag McKinley was I I guess you could call it a little bit more of uh you know a, a, a coin flip maybe a little less than a coin flip Maybe we'll talk about percentages with uh, what we thought it would have been. But uh, the percentage now is 0%. He did not have his fifth-year option picked up. But uh, 
Here we have Charles Harris and Tack McKinley. Obviously, Harris is something of a reclamation project. Though, you know, we'll see. Uh, I, I mean, they're not really going to invest that much in him. They'll sort of see if they just magically unlock something in him. Uh, McKinley, though, they, they've just... Uh, it just hasn't worked out. And he was a guy who, uh, you know, you would think if you're an edge rusher coming out uh, in, into the league, like this is this is the kind of defense you'd want to be in. Just sort of the, the get after the quarterback type of defense. It just hasn't worked out for him. It just hasn't been quite enough. It's it, We haven't, you see how he was drafted where he was. You can see the traits. There have been times that he has had dominant snaps. It just has not been often and consistently enough and I, I still think he would be better as an interior rusher than edge rush I don't know if he's quite bendable and, and and quick enough to consistently come off the edge let's say you need on a one to ten scale you need level seven or eight speed and bendability McKinley's probably about a six to a 6.5 in that relative sense He's not a pure interior rusher either, but I think he could develop into that if somebody wanted to make him a, a full-time nickel defensive tackle. I don't know as far as what you do with him on, on first and second down. Really, it's first down because defensive tackles play on second down now in nickel. Um, but I just don't know where he would be in your scheme, and that's why that's why Atlanta has not brought him back or they're not planning on bringing him back long term. Charles Harris. I mean, anything. Is, maybe is, lightning in a bottle. Yeah. I mean, maybe lightning in a bottle. And that's that's what that is. And they had room. I mean, it's their depth chart. They really don't have a ton of pass rushers. Stephen Means is a pretty good pass rusher. And, and that's another guy who's better defensive tackle than defensive end. Um, he's a good pass rusher in terms of depth. Other than that, they don't have a pure pass rusher on the bench. So that's why Charles Harris is here. Yeah. It, he he has a really nice spin move. He did in college. That, that's Does that's he? that's yeah. all it takes for me is seeing a guy with a nice spin move, and I automatically think he is. Uh, <laughs> well, I think Dwight that's funny. Yeah, it's funny you say it because there are some analysts that probably do see it that way. It's hard to get, it's hard to forget a spin move when a spin move works really well. You're yeah. never going to forget that the guy did it, even if he's only doing it once every three or four weeks. Yep. And so then you think once once you do one good spin move, you've got. A nice spin move for life. That's yeah. how people see that. <laughs> you are, you are the spin move guy. Yeah. Uh, last, last guy here. Hey, uh, one other. Oh, oh sorry. sorry go ahead. One, yeah. No. One other thing. This whole fifth year option thing that the league came up with has been perfect because Tack McKinley. If the system were flawed and and teams could use these fifth year options to kind of squat on a player or hedge or say, hey, no, sure, why not? Tack McKinley would have gotten the fifth year option. He is. He has not been a bust per se. He's just right up on that edge, and he's, and he's barely on the wrong side of it. These fifth-year options are really telltales. It's teams, if, if, if you're good enough, you have it. If you're not, you don't. And there haven't been a lot of guys that have crossed over. The closest would be Jack Conklin did not get his fifth-year option in Tennessee and then had a, a pretty good season in year four and wound up becoming an expensive free agent. But Jack Conklin also erupted in year four he got a lot better his mechanics got better and he became more valuable he didn't deserve not even close to have his fifth year option picked up after his first three seasons so I don't know if there's been and maybe our listeners would want to send us a tweet about it uh if, if I'm forgetting anyone I don't think there's been a guy that's had his fifth year option picked up that people would mostly say didn't deserve it don't uh don't compliment the rookie wage scale Andy 
<laughs> you know, they nailed it with the fifth year option. You know, Na- nailed it. You know what that was? I, I I promised Andy before the show I I would not go on my uh, the rookie wage scale is is dumb rant and and I won't do it. I, we'll we'll get to the last guy and then we'll we'll finish the show. But you know what that was like, Andy? That was like an it, 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 like an episode of Law and Order where uh, one of the counselors brings up a subject with with his witness that he wasn't supposed to bring up, and then the on, on the cross examine uh, they go after the witness for that and then the counselor who first brought it up is like no 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 i object you can't do that and then the judge is like you open the door counselor well i wasn't thinking fifth year option turns a rookie wage guy it, it certainly is a piece of the rookie wage scale um so yeah i, I guess i do like the rookie wage scale yeah it's the worst but we don't have enough time for you i'm sorry that you can't share your side of it. we don't have <laughs> enough time but um I know. I just love it when teams are forced to tell you what they really think, and and usually you can decipher that by watching the film. Teams tell you how they feel about players by what you see with them on film. If a guy is not asked to do something, there's a reason for that. The reason is not because oh the coaches didn't think of it. It's so you can always tell or almost always tell what teams think by what they do, but you have to read between the lines in order to do that. The fifth-year option, there's no reading between the lines. It's right there on the line. Here's what we think of the guy. And I just find that kind of fun. All right. and it's refreshing. Mm, it is not. Uh, Reuben Foster, last guy. There, there's actually, I mean, look, it, it's, it's, it, it seems kind of counterintuitive to say there's not a whole lot to discuss about Reuben Foster here. Uh, obviously, just spectacular talent. He, he was great early on uh, in San Francisco. Uh, there was a domestic violence uh, charge accusation. It was dropped uh, eventually after after he signed with Washington, or I, I should say Washington picked him up after the 49ers let him go. Uh, but he, you know, he has a lot of off-field baggage that was coming into the league, and it sort of continued into the league. Uh, on top of that, I mean... Look, he didn't get on the field last year. He had the torn ACL and LCL uh, last spring, and there was nerve damage involved, and that's that's just that's a very bad thing. Uh, you know, we, we saw like Jalen Smith come back from that eventually, but uh, as everyone knows, Jalen Smith was very bad early in his career in Dallas, and then became good. Uh, Reuben Foster has a long way to go to get back. Uh, it, it was not. Uh, a very difficult choice for Washington to make to turn down the fifth year option on him. Uh, the question is, does he have a future in the league? And that's just really up to what his recovery is. Yeah. And I don't think the off field issues, they take such a, a, a distant back seat. There's still something every team will consider and take into account. You know, he didn't get in trouble at all this past year. And I don't necessarily pat a grown man on the back for that, but he didn't have, he didn't have football, so there's probably a little bit less structure in his life, and there were no issues off the field. I, I think what it's it's going to be the knee that that decides what teams think of him, and if they like him, they'll decide that his off field stuff we can live with it. They'll say we have a great locker room. Every team thinks they, their culture will take care of it. If they aren't so sure or don't like him, then they'll tell themselves, oh, there's also the off-field issues. So those will just be a confirmation uh, factor. It's the knee and and the stability of that knee, and that's anybody's guess. We have no information on that other than just what the reports have said. Here's what you need to know about Foster. Before the injury, when he was in for the Niners, you could see – so like we talked about Hassan Reddick and Jared Davis, how explosive they are. They're explosive when they hit the go button, which they can do very quickly, and and it's dynamic and it's better than most guys. 
Some guys, a few select guys, are just explosive all the time. When they're moving laterally and just reading slowly and reacting, there's such a firm, graceful, quick fluidity to it. They're just always on their go button. Um, they're easy athletes. Foster was that kind of player, you, physical traits. He didn't get a chance to blossom into whether it means he's a star or not or what he could have been because um, you still have to understand what you're doing out there on the field. And I think he was a young guy and he's coming along there, but his physical traits were off the charts football-wise. Yeah, that was uh, – a look, we talked about the off-field baggage and, and that played a role in his falling to the end of the first round uh, in the 2017 draft. Uh, he was a guy – it was funny. Uh, Robert Klumko did a piece on him uh, coming out of Alabama, especially – Foster also had an incident in the combine where he was he was unruly in the during the during the wait for the medical check, and, and they ended up sending him home. And uh, there was a lot of stuff around that. But uh, did- that, that's a big deal, by the way, because if you mess up the combine, yes, that suggests you've got you don't have the right people around you because any agent worth his salt would have his guy. It would be very apparent to the guy to not mess up the combine. It's it's a job interview for the whole week to get sent home from the combine is unfathomable. So that that's an enormous red flag for teams, and, and no team would ever say this, but I think there are some that would interpret that as a locker room type red flag as much as anything. It's it's within the business of football versus off the field, and what teams would never say is that those locker room red flags are much worse and more problematic. Off field's worse in real life, but from a football perspective, teams mm-hmm. are leery of that. So anyway, that's I didn't mean to interrupt you, but his his issues, the questions about the character with him, are very they were so significant early on that they're going to remain significant for the rest of his career. You have to answer those. Yeah, and and look, he he also had uh, you know he had issues on the whiteboard and and stuff like that. And uh, Nick Saban, you know, basically said he he's not going to be a good whiteboard guy. But you know, you teach him something, and and yet you have him practice it, and he gets it. Like he he just learns it in a different way. Uh, and I would agree with that, but I'm not a great whiteboard guy myself. I mean, I could draw the stuff, I'm sure, if they asked me to draw it, but I have to see the bodies to learn the, to truly learn the concepts, which is why I watch film and I don't read books on football. Um, it's just a style of learning. I could see how a, a player would be that way, and a good coaching staff would easily adjust to that. Yeah. Yeah, but uh, Room Foster, I mean, look... You root for everyone to sort of uh, have it have it end up well, and maybe there's still a, a good ending coming for for uh, his career and his life at this point. Uh, I mean, it, it doesn't excuse his behavior. He's a guy who had a, a very difficult upbringing, uh, but yeah, he's uh, yeah, look, he's at another crossroads, and and you kind of hope this knee injury is not what ends up ending his career. But he's got a he's got a long way to go. I, I don't even know if he'll get back on the field in 2020 here. Yeah, yeah. All right, on that bummer of a note, we'll wrap this one up. We'll be back next week with the AFC. And look, uh, we're going to talk about Leonard Fournette, uh, and and maybe we're not surprised about the fifth-year option, but he is a guy on the trade block here. And um, I don't know, there's there's a discussion with him beyond just the usual uh, don't pay running backs type of thing. Uh, And on top of that, Malik Coker. I I thought Malik Coker was the most surprising uh, fifth-year option decision. 
I, I think he's a, on that Tack McKinley line, but on the other side of it, where yeah. I would have given it to him. Now, the Colts know him better than, than we know him, and we can talk further about him next week. I was surprised by that. And for everything I've heard, the Colts like Malik Hooker. So I was I was surprised by that one. Well, just wait until I tell you uh, how affordable that fifth-year option is for safeties. You'll be even more surprised at that point. Hmm. But uh, we'll get into that next week. Uh, Andy? Once again, thanks for uh, thanks for joining us. I guess you have to join us next week because we've already committed to it, uh, to doing a two-part series here. So uh, uh, we will call this goodbye for now. Sounds good. Thanks, Gary. The MMQB Monday Morning NFL Podcast is me, Gary Gramling. Special thanks once again to Andy Benoit for joining us for this one. We are produced by Shelby Royston, SI's executive producer of podcasts is Scott Brody. Ben Eagle is director of editorial projects and product. Mark Mravick is emeritus editor of the MMQB. Andy Benoit is the founder of the MMQB NFL podcast. Keep up with our entire line of podcasts five days a week by subscribing to the MMQB NFL podcast for free on Apple Podcasts. And while you're there, please do us a favor and leave a rating and review. It really does help other people find the show, which is also available on Spotify, Radio.com, Stitcher, SI.com, and wherever else you listen in the podcasts. Thank you for traveling with Amex Platinum. To your right, you'll see Oceanside Relaxation at a fine hotel and resort property. When booked through Amex Travel, you can enjoy complimentary breakfast for 2 and 4 p.m. late checkout. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union. A savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Zumo Play is your destination for endless entertainment. With a diverse lineup of 350-plus live channels, movies, and full TV series, you'll easily find something to watch right away. And the best part? It's all free. Love music? Get lost in the 90s with iHeart 90s. Dance away with hip-hop beats and more on the iHeart Radio music channels. No logins, no signups, no accounts, no hassle. So what are you waiting for? Start streaming at play.xumo.com or download from the app and Google Play stores today. All you can stream with Zumo Play.